Welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, CEO of the Executive Connection. We connect leaders with a trusted network of people who help them succeed. Steph, it's always fun to come in here into the studio and uh, be part of your discussions and conversations and topics because it's always different, always interesting. I always learn stuff and I have a feeling today will be no exception. No exception at all. And Leah, a great topic for you being the super hockey player from a super hockey team because yes. today we are talking about teams. Hey. And I'm thrilled to introduce Bernard DeSmit, who has over 20 years of global experience as a leadership coach, facilitator and trainer. As a team coach, his expertise is in helping teams transition to become more collaborative and high-performing teams so they access more of their collective capacity and capability to achieve the greatest things possible. He's also the author of Team Better Together and Inside Out Leadership. Bernard, welcome to Tech Live. Thank you, Stephanie, and lovely to be here. It's great to have you here. Yes, we know. Teams need to be collaborative. Teams need to perform are we flogging a dead horse here because we keep saying it? So does that assume it's not happening? Wonderful place to start, Stephanie. <laughs> Be a shame if you said yes and we would finish. <laughs> I think for many it feels like we're flogging a dead horse. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, we all appreciate that teams exist to achieve what no other entity can, no individual, no group. Teams are the predominant unit of organizational performance. And yet, for many, it feels that teams are floundering more than flourishing. And this has been a preoccupation of mine, a fascination of mine. And uh, I think we may have previously spoken about this, but what I call the the 80-60-20 paradox. Mm -hmm. And why is it that 80% of leaders claim to spend 60% of their time in teams, yet only 20% of these teams flourish. And the question is, why is that so? Because that feels like flogging a dead horse. So why do you think that is the case? I want to offer the perspective that teams rise and fall on the quality of their working relationships. With each other. With each other and, and other teams and other teams yeah. and all stakeholders. But if, yeah. if we if we focus in on the internal dynamic of the team, mm. um, it is very difficult to get a better result with, without first focusing and achieving an improvement in the working relationships. Relationships precede results, mm. and I think if we come back to your you're flogging, it's because we believe that all that's important is we get the better result. Mm. It is it is simply not possible in an environment where there isn't sufficient trust, there isn't sufficient respect, there isn't a sense of appreciation, the moods of the team, um, the quality of conversation and how do we ensure more is spoken about than unspoken. Mm. Mm. I have a, a thought. Mm. So I wonder if a leader doesn't have a team with those fundamentals in place, the only way they can get results is by individuals and often the leader doing most of the work. 
And so then it's going to always cap the level of result that you can get because you're always going to get a better result if you have more people working on it. Mm. Interesting. And this brings me to another distinction. I'm, I'm never failed to be amazed when I start working with an executive team how interchangeably they refer to themselves as a group and a team. Yeah, right. So subtle but, but such a significant distinction. Mm. And I put to you that where teams show up as a group it's very difficult to transition to levels of collaboration. And, and the, the distinction, if, if we look at this in, in, in its most simplest way, teams focus on, on, on their purpose, on, on their existence, their why. Groups focus on what they do. Teams work interdependently. Groups work independently of one another. Mm. In, in a group, my focus um, or the members in a group, their focus is on their individual KPIs, hence why we are siloed. It's, it's, it's not possible to be siloed when we're working interdependently as a team on common, accountable, collective performance goals. So mm -hmm. can you have individual goals still as part of a team? Very definitely. Like we, a sales team? Uh, ab absolutely. Mm. Ab absolutely. But... You know, if, if if we think about this, and this is a – and again, these distinctions help until they don't. Mm. You know, groups are very effective, very effective at coming to dealing with what I'd refer to as complicated situations yeah. where there's tried and tested way, known processes, known methodology. Teams thrive in, in, in the space of complexity mm. where there's – no known ways. Mm. There's no proven and existing approach. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very interesting distinction. And, and again, we, we we can't change what we can't see. So when teams come to see the distinction between them being a group and them needing to team, um, it's it's a powerful breakthrough in the shifting of their collective perspective, their collective dynamic, and dare I say, their, their way of being and their way of doing together. In your experience, how motivated have you found individuals to be part of a high-performing team rather than a group or being an individual contributor? If we look at retention, why would anyone choose to leave a highly collaborative, mm. functioning, high-performing team where the sense of purposefulness and meaningfulness of work, the level of accomplishment, the, uh, the growth in the collective wisdom, sharing each mm. other's uh, learning from their collective successes and failures, where there are retention challenges, just look at the absence of a culture of teamwork. Mm. I want to hear about the culture of teamwork, but but first I want to dig into collaboration. Mm -hmm. I think people can be a little confused about what that actually means. And I believe you know it when you see it. But can you talk to me about what you think is really effective collaboration and how can you train that muscle in team members? Oh. 
Love this question, Stephanie. It's good. It's my thing. (laughs) But here's the thing. I think there is, in the main, a confusion and a lack of understanding of what we actually really mean by collaboration. Mm, I agree. Tell me what you see as the confusion. And if, if, if I may draw distinction between what I refer to uh, of the four team types, but the main distinction is what I refer to as a team that functions, that's cohesive, versus a team that is collaborative and flourishes. Oh, okay. Very subtle. Nice. But mm. significant. Because the team functions, we think it's flourishing. And I put to you amongst others, but the predominant distinction between a flourishing team and a functioning Mm. team is their relationship with criticism, conflict, and challenge. Yeah. Collaboration dances with conflict. If we think collaboration, the etymology of collaboration is is to, to move across difference. Yeah. We cannot collaborate... So functioning teams are cohesive because they move to the sameness of thinking. Yeah. Flourishing teams that collaborate move from the divergence of thinking. They look to the tension in difference. They look to the value in learning in difference. So when when we look at collaboration, and let's let's look at these three elements because th- this is the breakthrough. When we come, collaborative teams come caringly in criticism of one another. Mm-hmm. If if we look at what, what I mean by caring criticism, if we look at what's my intent in caringly criticizing you, my intent is to help you learn. Uncaring criticism, my intent is to weaken you. Absolutely, to win at to, your expense. To win over you. Yep. At your expense. Mm. Let's look at what's my intent when I caringly challenge you. It's to deepen our level of understanding. Uncaring challenge, my intent is just to push you over. Mm. If we look at my intent in caringly conflicting with you is to explore different alternatives. Uncaring conflict is to shut you down. So what are the key elements then of caring conflict? And I want to say it again. So you said collaboration dances with conflict. Yeah. It's such a great sentence. Yeah. yeah. So what are the features then of caring conflict? Because it kind of sounds a little bit of an oxymoron. No, not at all. Not at all. When, when I declare my intention, mm. and, and the, here's the thing, here's the thing in terms of and there, there are many elements to this, Stephanie, mm. but at, at its essence, at its essence, collaborative teams, th- there's no such thing as an undiscussable in a collaborative mm. team. No such thing. Mm. So as, as a collaborative, collaborative team looking to flourish, what we do, we, we implicitly understand the uncompromising intent that everyone shares and brings to deeply respect and hold each other with dignity and legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And that opens the space for us to welcome difference, to robustly challenge, because I don't feel you are attacking my person. We are are pulling apart an idea. We're pulling apart a perspective, not, not my person. 
So I, that's ultimately more satisfying as far as work goes, isn't it? Because huge. you're really problem solving and you're getting into the guts of an issue and huge coming at it from all different ways. Mm-hmm. How do you build that level of trust in a new team? It takes time. Mm. This 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 bucket fills one drop at a time. Mm. To build trust, we've first got to explore where there's a lack of trust. Mm. We've got to be prepared and create a safe place and mm. space for this to be spoken about. You know, part of human nature mm. is... We are never not in concern. We are never not listening, speaking, thinking, acting from what's important to me that could be going better. So in a collaborative team, and, and, and there's no simple, this is, this is enormously challenging. There's no simple way to build trust. It takes time because we know how easy it is to break trust. But... When we create the space to legitimize and open the space for for concerns to be tabled and for each other to feel understood, not judged, and listened to, we we move into this. It's a very sacred space where what is said is, is held with respect and dignity, not judgment and discernment. I love the aspiration of this, Bernard. How does this fit in with a team that's under the pump, not a hitting target, dealing with shortages of labour, imperfect leaders because that's the world we live in, home life that's a nightmare that might be impacting at work or or not, not a nightmare but, you know, a problem with the car or I've got to move flats or something. How do you stay realistic in the workplace when what I'm hearing are quite higher order goals? It, it's not necessarily higher order goals. It's it's appreciating and and here's the thing, you know, collaborative teams. It's hard work. Mm. It's really hard work. There's um, an inherent tension between the you know. W- w- Collaborative teams are, are, are playing at the edges. Mm. We, we're dealing with the real world in terms of whatever it might be, the competitive forces, the, the culture at the moment, and, and this, this confusion and instability around the, the ways of working. This is real. This is real. Uh, you know, this is not a, a state of, of, of utopia, not at all. This is about deeply, you know, another another phenomenon about our human beingness is is we never not in breakdown mm. now what, what i mean by that we we never not having to deal with unanticipated interruptions and interferences mm. never not and they call on us to adapt and adjust and in in a thriving team th- these breakdowns although they enormously confronting and enormously challenging we legitimize we don't, we don't stay silent on these. And I, I think this is the other thing is, is you, you know, the, the distinction I, I bring in, in 
in looking to flourishing teams compared to functioning or floundering teams, the most disrespectful thing we can do to ourselves is to silence our truth. And what I mean by that is silence what's important I say, what's important you understand by what I say, what's important I feel. So, And here's the paradox. When, when you sitting in a room with a team moving into the space of, of flourishing and collaboration, it's, it's tense. Oh, that's interesting. It's tense. Uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's challenging. It's perturbing. Mm. Because that's where we move. That's where we expand. Mm. You know, again, I um, was working with um, an executive team and before I do so uh, in what I call the discovery phase, which is critical, yeah. is understanding the dynamics, understanding the perspective amongst the team of the strengths and the, and the challenges. Mm. But in my one-on-one with each of the team members, within the first minute of the conversation, each of the team members independently referred to the team as a harmonious team. Yeah, right. Now, I, I, and there's I, the problem. And there's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Now, I have no problem with harmony. No. Unless, unless it's used to disguise and avoid yeah. dealing with conflict, dealing with the undiscussable. Yeah. The harmony bubble was pricked on at eleven minutes past <laughs> ten on the yeah, first day yeah, we were yeah. together. Yeah. Um, so you know, this is we we we've got to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. We've got to be mm. comfortable with our thinking challenged, with our thinking perturbed, um, with the acknowledgement of not knowing, with the acknowledgement of mistakes and taking risks, which uh, I think. On paper, sounds like more work. It is. Yet, I think maintaining that dysfunctional harmony is the most exhausting of all. It is because people are swallowing what they, as you said, they're not. They're not saying what's important. It, it is. It is so. It's so disabling. Mm. It's so unsatisfying. Unsatisfying, and most of all, so disrespectful to ourselves. Mm. Yeah, mm. you know, and and. Dysfunctional teams, part of the dysfunctionality um, I put to you is is because we we spend more time suppressing our truth rather than expressing mm. our truth, mm. and and that when when I when I make the decision, this is not speaking our minds to one another. That's disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. It's speaking our truth to one another. You know, mm. what are the assessments we're making? What are the assumptions we're holding? What are the beliefs we we having that are important? Um, we we have examined and challenged. Mm. So let's go back to uh, the culture, building the culture of a flourishing team, or or even let's say it another way, what does that culture look like? If you're observing a flourishing team, what would you see in the culture? Mm. Well, f- first of all, um, the language is quite different, mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of lot less I, me, and my. Mm-hmm. There's more we, us, and our, and that's a very telling. That's mm-hmm. a very telling. Look at the agenda of the team meeting, and how much space is there in that agenda for new thinking, for challenging new ways, 
you know, and this is one of the the paradoxes of 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 teams, and that is that whilst we accept they're the predominant unit of organizational performance, um, most teams are stuck in on the dance floor addressing the the mm. tactical <laughs> operational issues with very little energy and time left for the, the strategic transformational imperatives, in other words, you know, being on the, bal- the yeah. balcony. So just look at what are, what are the dance floor topics and mm. what are the balcony topics. That will tell you. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I've written a book about the distinctions yes. and what characterizes, but they, they are essentially five disciplines mm. that – are embedded and endemic in a in a high performing um, collaborative and flourishing team. Um, nice, mm-hmm. really. I mean, mm-hmm. interesting, and mm-hmm. certainly you are presenting a far more robust topic than than just something a cursory read. So then, if a leader mm-hmm. is looking at a critical team in their organisation, and they're seeing either dysfunctional harmony or a team that's failing to flourish through collaboration, what would be the, say, three simple steps, simple, the three steps to get started for that leader? Yeah. I, I, you know, get data. Yep. Get data. And, and what I mean by that is I collect data in, in two essential ways. There's a, a simple but powerful little diagnostic mm-hmm. around the, the five disciplines. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to get a perspective of where where we're starting from, what what are some of the, the the challenges and what are the strengths we recognize we collectively bring, and then uh, the other qualitative form of data is um, discussions I have with the team. Essentially, what three questions? What do we appreciate about this team? Why is it successful when it does be successful? What are some of the challenges? What, how do we get in the way of ourselves as a team? And what's most important we learn more about and commit to change? Mm. And, you know, in, in my face-to-face or in the virtual world, having these conversations, one gets to a level of authenticity and truthfulness, mm. um, which is essential. And I, I bring that data to the team, and that's the frame of reference from where we start. Mm. I like it. Mm. Just a simple discovery then with three questions. Absolutely. So Mm. first step as a leader, get data. Second step? Get data. Know what it is that I, as the team member, is important I commit to learn more about and to change. How am I individually contributing to this team's success or not? Mm. And so this is just as much about an individual journey as it is about a collective journey. Absolutely. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. Because otherwise you're going to end up with that sort of false harmony if it's just a collective journey. Do you know, Stephanie, here's the thing. And in the work I do with teams and um, discipline five is what I refer to the discipline to develop. And that's around collecting developing the collective wisdom Mm. and that's about the responsibility that team members take for their own and each other's learning Mm. growth and success teams teams that score highest 
on Discipline 5 develop. It has the highest positive correlation to the probability of a team transitioning to flourish. There's a direct correlation Mm. between our openness to learn with one another and our capacity and propensity to flourish. Mm. So the overriding approach I take is to very quickly create a safe space and place to learn with and from one another. So that would be, as a leader, the third thing. Absolutely. Okay. The openness to receive, to ask for help and feedback, the openness to admit to mistakes, the openness to admit to not knowing uh, are critical in this journey. Where we open ourselves to learn with and from one another, we open ourselves to infinite possibilities to think in new ways and do in new ways. So interesting. So three things you've said. Number one, be in discovery. So ask those three questions about the team to really understand what's working well and and what the even better if could be. The second one is each individual understanding how they need to grow and change to contribute as best they can to a collaborative team. And the third one is ensuring that you have a team that's really open to development of of themselves, of of each other and of the team as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. This this journey to transition to become and – this is this is not about you know sustainably flourishing. No, no, no. Mm. This is just spending more time in that space. Mm. And how do we recognise? Because in the real world, we're going to shift between floundering, functioning, mm. and flourishing. But it's a choice as to where we go. It's a choice, and it's and to have the ability as a team to get there. At, but, but every team's got the ability, mm. got sufficient ability, and this mm. is the thing. You know, of course, you know, there are teams where one questions whether, you know, this is the right team. It's the team. Yeah, right. It's the team. Yeah, I love that. Uh, So let's get on with it. Yeah, I like that. You know, allow people to self-select on and off. There's so much here. (laughs) There, There is so much here and I am deeply appreciative of you giving somewhat of a helicopter view of I know what has been years of very deep work Mm. on your part. Mm. But I think that final distinction you made is a really valid one, Bernard, about Mm. no one can flourish every minute of every day, but it's being aware of when you are and how do we spend more time in that space. Because when when we do, that's where we, we achieve what we never thought possible. And what a note to end on, what an encouraging and indeed aspirational note to end on. That was fascinating. It was deep and interesting. And Bernard DeSmith, thank you so much for joining us on Tech Live. Well, thank you. Discover more about tech at tech.com.au.